The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. <coughs> All right, and welcome back to Winning Ponies. Good to have you listening. If you weren't, I'd just be a man sitting here with a microphone babbling to myself. Well, <clears throat> Uh, racing's kind of a fluid, as you know, right now, in more ways than one. I was hoping to get out to Santa Anita for some races, but the uh, smoke from the flames, which are very, very tragic. I have a son that lives in Oregon. Luckily, he is safe. His boss's house burnt down. But uh, th- the smoke's there, and he, he, he said he wasn't worried about fire. He said, but the, the air was terrible. He lets his dog out to take a whiz and back in the house and the doors and windows are locked. It's bad up there. But anyhow, because of that, uh, racing at Santa Anita right now is on hold. We're hoping to pick things back up next week. And if we do, I'll try to get some West Coast guests to come on and help us with the handicapping segment. Uh, This week we have from Horse Tourneys, their uh, top PR guy, Eric Wing, who uh, does a fantastic uh, uh, job at putting together the contest. And he's going to let us know about the big one that's happening. And they also got other chances to qualify for the, uh, the big ones, uh, around breeders cup and then on to Las Vegas. So Eric wing, love that guy. Great handicapper, very smooth and entertaining at the same time. And our first guest up is going to be none other than Joe Nevels. Joe is the, uh, Bloodstock editor for the Pollock Report. Uh, I've known him for many, many years when he was just interning at the Thoroughbred Times. That doesn't even exist anymore. Am I dating myself or what? Anyhow, Joe's a great writer, loves this game, and he lives in Georgetown, just a few miles north of Lexington, where the big sales are going on. The big money has been spent. And uh, now we're working through the books, thousands of horses being sold. It'll be interesting to see if the strength holds up as, as we say, the books get a little lighter, uh, not as many black type horses or the top. You're not going to see too many tappets or endomistresses in the, the last part of the sale. But this could be the year to get a great bargain uh, because... Uh, they're not making it easy for you to get in, though you can do uh, remote bidding. Uh, just not the same, though. You like to you like to see your horse uh, up close and in person. If you're going to be plunking down those greens out of your jeans, well, some not so good news to start uh, the week. Uh, aside from the fires in California and Oregon, is uh, uh, Jackie's. Ariane Cox and Chris Fox are recovering from serious injuries they sustained in a Presque Isle accident. Um, It was September 8th at Presque Isle. Um, They were taken to the hospital in Erie following an eighth race incident, uh, which witnesses say Fox's Mount Boardwalk Bob clipped heels and fell midway around the first turn of the mile and 70 yard race. And then as he scrambled to get to his feet, growl who Ariane Cox was riding 
<clears throat> was trailing, uh, tried to avoid him, ended up colliding with Bob, Boardwalk Bob as he got up. And uh, as a matter of fact, they in the middle of the race, they, they told the riders to pull their horses up before the finish line because they might not be able to see them after they passed the finish line. Uh, so they, they were urged to move towards the outer rail. Uh, but uh, it's it's not good news, folks. Uh, Ariane Cox sustained multiple fractures at the base of her skull, fractured three vertebrae in her neck, and has been on a ventilator in intensive care since being hospitalized. So um, I, uh, prayers going out. Fox, uh, not to uh, lessen his uh, injuries, fractured a collarbone and ribs, a collapsed lung, and a transverse process fractures in his back. I don't know what it is, but I don't think it feels too good or you want it. Sure hope he gets to return to the saddle. But uh, Cox has a longer road to recovery, according to uh, owner-trainer Wayne Rice, who's kind of Cox's life partner and best friend. And uh, he's had to go uh, seven days and hasn't had a chance to talk to her because of her situation in the hospital. So... uh, uh, we, they, he says that uh, what appeared to be a paralyzed right arm and leg the first five days, uh, his medication's been lightened up. Uh, she has her cognitive functions in the brain, and she has complete sensation to touch all over her body, including both right arm and right leg. And now there's movement in the two limbs, and she can blink her eyes uh, when he rubs certain areas, and he can feel it. So uh, pretty good signs. And you've seen it before. you these guys and girls are such tough athletes uh, that it, sometimes they just need time. But right now it's not about coming back to ride. It's about coming back. Uh, all right. On the good news size with jockeys, a friend of mine, T.D. Houghton became the 20th jockey to win six thousand races boy this guy's as tough as a nickel steak as my friend ed meyer likes to say um became just the 20th rider to win six thousand up at thistledown uh only five active riders in north america have won more races than houghton uh and one is perry oots who rode a triple yesterday at Belterra Park. He's closing in on uh, Chris McCarron's record. Just behind him is Edgar Prado, Mario Pino still riding, Johnny V, and Kent DeSormo. Uh, So uh, he brought home a a heavy favorite, but he has in his whole life. Uh, His father was a jock, Ron Houghton. He was born in Denver, but everybody will remember him from Michigan where he ruled the tracks up there. He topped the standings at Detroit Racecourse in 1995 until they closed in 1998. He's also had leading rider titles at Tampa Bay Downs, Hollywood Gaming at Mahoning, uh, Pinnacle Racecourse, and Mountaineer Park uh, in riding over 37,000 races. So congratulations uh, to TD. Uh, He suffered a brain injury after going down in 2002 and didn't return riding until more than 15 months later and uh, he uh, since uh, had another bad spill for a fractured vertebrae and broken collarbone in 2014 uh, <clears throat> before suffering multiple injuries after his mount fell at mountaineer later that year good news he was voted comeback rider of the year by the jockeys guild for his 2014 
15 season and congratulations to TD. Well, Kentucky Downs, uh, man, they had one heck of a season. The leading jockey, Tyler Gaffleone, this three-day is finale gave him 11 wins uh the leading trainer mike maker captured his fifth crown with eight victories and the leading owner was three diamonds farm earning their first title at the track of course maker was uh the trainer for three diamonds uh, again with their you know meat that may only last six days um you got to get it while you can but uh, wagering on the final day of the six-day meet was 9.4 million so the wagering total was 59 million 828 smashing last year's record of 41 million so i can't tell you enough folks you got to get to kentucky downs it's america's most european race course very cool place you can get up close and personal with the jocks at great well uh we've got the preakness coming up before we get to that we know one horse that won't be in the starting gate and that is honor ap who has been retired to stud and uh he's Going to Lane's End. Now, he did run in the Kentucky Derby, but he came out of there, I believe, with a tendon injury. And uh, so now he has already nestled down at Lane's End. I'm sure they'll have a day where uh, you can come down and see him. Of course, his uh, his uh, daddy is there, Honor Code, and Honor AP got to move into the stall of the great AP. Indy. So good luck to you and have fun in your days of retirement there at Lane's End. Uh, but uh, he he was a sensation when he was on the track. And man, if you've ever seen him in person, he is absolutely gorgeous. So AP Indy won't be in the starting gate for the Preakness. Taking his place is Live Your Beast Life, who's being supplemented to the Preakness. Uh, he was the runner-up in the grade two. Jim Dandy had a sensational workout over the Belmont track, uh, 59 and four this morning, and they decided to take a shot. Uh, they say he breezed really well. He's a dark bay son of a ghost zapper. So here's how the Preakness stakes is shaken up with our possibles and our probables. Tis the law is still possible. Uh, art collector is expected to be in the gate for my buddy Tommy Drury. Kenny McPeak is on the fence as a possible with the Philly Swiss Skydiver. And then uh, the uh, Kentucky Derby winner, Authentic, will be there. Uh, eighth in the Derby, New York Traffic is hoping to come back. Then you got Dr. Post, Mr. Big News, Thousand Words is probable. Uh, Mystic Guide, Pneumatic, and Live Your Beast Life, as we said. He's supplemented, so they had to pay some extra money. And Happy Saver, who was first in the Frederick Tessio, will be there. So that's a quick look. We'll stay on top of uh, the Preakness as best we can in the days ahead. Now, in the days behind, I want to thank uh, Byron King for coming on with us last week. Uh, I know he was tracking the horses at Kentucky Downs pretty good. And we also asked him to go north of the border. Uh, how about the Queen's Plate? million dollars first jewel of their triple crown three-year-olds a mile and a quarter trainer josie carroll ran one two mighty hard at 13 to one went wire to wire and pulled away by eight over stable mate true 
Belichick, um, unbelievable. How about Belichick? I wonder if this uh, horse runs with its uh, wraps cut off. Anyhow, uh, on the undercard, it was the uh, Canadian Stakes uh, that carried a quarter-million-dollar purse. Upset winner in there. Ride for the cause at 22-1, to one, who bested Cambier Park, who led most of the way, was the favorite in there, but it was upset time at Woodbine. Then we went to uh, Kentucky Downs. Win and you're in the Calumet Farm Kentucky Turf Cup. Million dollars up for grabs. It rained all day long, so they moved up the post times. It was pouring arc loud. Turned the tables on Zulu Alpha in this race from last year. Arklo got the win. Running second was Red Knight. And third was Zulu Alpha. Uh, then a run, uh, winning your end for the turf sprint. This was a good one. The winner by a neck was Impress. Imprimis, and uh, he was a three-to-one favorite, but that pays $8. Not bad. Great ride by Red Ortiz. Up by a neck so he will be seeing him in the run happy turf sprint at the uh, the lady sprint that went to predicted got stormy got the job tyler gaff leone uh, leading rider down there doing the job one easily by three and a quarter lengths and the last race we handicapped was the kentucky downs lady turf it was the favorite jose ortiz in the saddle Regal Glory, who got the job done for Chad Brown, who I think is spending his first season at Kentucky Downs. All right, that wraps up uh, our picks from last week and news of this week. When we come back, we're going to be talking to the Bloodlines expert from the Pollock Report, none other than Joe Nevels. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 
1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with a longtime friend of mine, Joe Nebels, who lives in beautiful Georgetown, Kentucky. And uh, he's uh, just north of uh, Keeneland. And uh, they're not making it too easy for people to get into the sale. You have, uh, have to have, uh, I believe, a COVID test within a week. And then they test you when they pull in. They got to see your paperwork. And uh, that hasn't made things easy for you, Joe. Welcome to the show. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. I've been uh, following the sale remotely. Uh, got to, you know, stay away from a couple things. But, you know, it's been something to follow. And it's, you know, everybody's got to do what they can. Well, you're the man for the Pollock Report, so uh, you've got to stay on top of it. Before before we uh, get into to horse talk, you know, you you cover all sides of the sale, and uh, your article, I, I implore people to go back and read it on Cordell Anderson was sensational. If I'm getting the name correct, um, he's the guy that's just like. The coolest cucumber at the sale because he's the guy that handles these horses that are immediately being thrust into a situation they've never been in and most probably will never be in again, stepping into a sales ring with announcers high above them, lights glaring down, and people staring at him from their seats. And uh, he, he, he's, a, I guess you call him the ring man, Joe? Yeah, I think that's kind of the official title. It's just, uh, you know, I've said for a long time that Keeneland has far and away the best team of ringmen in, you know, thoroughbred auctions. Just, you know, from top to bottom, everyone is very skilled horsemen. They're very good at keeping horses calm under pressure, under what can be a very, you know, stressful situation for them, just as you laid out. But what was interesting, though, is when I was talking to uh, Cordell for this story, he said that, when a lot of horses come into the ring, what they're seeing is so different from what they're used to that most of them just sort of freeze up. You know, what is what? What am I looking at here? And they kind of try to process the situation, you know, try to figure out where the sound from the auction stand's coming from. So, you know, there's always going to be some who have the flight instinct, but he said you'd be surprised how many just sort of look like a monster coming in and then turn into a puppy dog when they're in there, just trying to figure out everything. And, you know, once I heard that name, it's like, wait, I know that name. And then all of a sudden I realized he's the guy for those years handled run happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he still works for uh, Jim McInvale's barn. So he's handling all the run happy two-year-olds that are on the track right now that Mattress Mac owns. But, yeah, you know, he's Cordell is one of, if not the most able set of hands in the business right now. And, you know, if he's the hands on the shank, your horse is going to look good and he's going to get a good showing. It, 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 is, it is amazing. And uh, I, I've been to some other sales and, and, I, and I know some ringmen and it is You've got to get somebody, the right person. And uh, uh, there, there's a guy named Doodad Han in Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been, been an outrider for ever. 
and he ponied Perry Utes to his first win. So how old is he? <laughs> okay, <laughs> Perry 67. Uh, anyhow, he's still the outrider at Belterra. But uh, it's just amazing. Uh, they're never intimidated. They have a calming influence. And just as you pointed out with uh, Cordell, um, you could see them all of a sudden they'll just maybe place a hand so ever so mm-hmm. gently on the horse's shoulder and the horse just seems it and, and smile. They as Cordell said, mm-hmm. this, they smile at him. So it's like, Hey guy, you're in a safe place. I'm, I'm going to take care of you. And all of a sudden they just start standing, you know? And of course that's very important when somebody's looking at a horse, obviously at the high end you're writing about right now, uh, all those horses have been inspected a hundred times over and you know got a little more experience but it, it, it's a really good story folks go go to the pollock report um if it's not in today's edition go back to yesterday's it was sensational joe so um what are the trends obviously just from what i've had the chance to observe um no big surprise tap it extremely well received and also <laughs> no big surprise but a little younger gun than Tappet, into mischief seems to be setting the sport on sto- on fire. Absolutely, yeah. This sale has really been into mischief's coming out party, and that's an extended one considering that, you know, if you start from this time last year, you know, he's had Breeders' Cup winners, he had Kofevi win the Philly and Mare Sprint, Kofevi got him a couple of uh, Eclipse Awards, uh, into mischief ended last year as the leading general sire for the first time, and then come into this year, and he has some two-year-olds sell really well. He has authentic win the Derby, and it's the perfect timed Derby for a September yearling sale because you know this is the one that gets postponed into the week before. So you know this is a hot hand to have, and all of a sudden the one question that was kind of left on into mischief's resume: can he get a classic winner? Is all of a sudden answered. So people are just absolutely buying with both fists. Uh, before yeah. this, before the sale season, he had one horse that had brought a mil- one one yearling that had sold for a million dollars, and he's up to, boy, I think he's up to five or six now. Just wow. this year, he just had one top of the session today, uh, go for a million dollars near the end of today's session at Kalen September. So, you know, people are still landed bombs on him, and he's he's the hot ticket right now. Well, uh, I've seen him and photographed him in person. He is striking, and uh, it's just interesting. You know, a a good horse could come from anywhere. Of course, his sire is a horse by the name of Harlan's Holiday, who was none other than a little old Ohio bred. It's hard to believe (laughs) the impact that an Ohio's bred's had on the uh, sport as a whole because Into Mischief's not going away anytime soon. And now we're starting to see people are trying to buy up his sons as they as they head off to stud, hoping that they'll strike. But he he does uh, a lot of times stamp them with that uh, big, nice big blaze and you know good muscle. I mean, uh, he, they look like him, and I think that's what people are having fun buying. Yeah, absolutely, and they seem to have that similar sort of deep chestnut color too. Like you don't see a whole lot of gray into mischiefs. And I think that's just because he's that good at stamping them that he is the dominant gene. And when you're going to have a sire be that successful, you want to see that dominant gene. And what makes Into Mischief especially unique is, as you mentioned, he's a son of Harlan's Holiday. Harlan's Holiday died pretty young. He uh, had some, 
I think he died in South America, or he died because they were shuttling him. Began. Yep. Yeah. And he and he ran into some trouble, and you know, went well before his time. So you know, sons, uh, good sons of Harlan's holiday to stud were kind of hard to find, and all of a sudden they became a collector's item. So if you want to tap into the Harlan's holiday bloodline, into mischief was your thing, and he's absolutely lived up to that. Also amazing with Into Mischief is where he started. Uh, in his second year, he was commercially kind of dead in the water. He was standing for $6,500, I think. He had maybe, I think, less than 20 yearlings go through the yearling sale, maybe 22 or so. And the grand total gross for those yearlings was about 200000 And now he's averaging you know, something like 300, 400 thousand. Like, he's averaging more with one horse during this yearling season than his entire second crop brought at the auction <laughs> in that year. He's like, that, you, the, the kids made it. You you do do your homework, I will tell you that. Now, <laughs> Joe, do, do, I, you know, I, I know you're watching remotely, and I, and I, and I understand why, um, but what are you hearing and seeing? I mean, it's... It, People were asking me, hey, John, are you coming down to the sale? And I'm like, well, I kind of jumped through so many hoops. I don't know if I want to. So you need like a, a, a test within a week, and then they give you some more tests when you show up. And it just seems like some people, you know, certainly not at the high end. But how do you think this is going to affect the sale as it goes on and it works down to book six, which is uh, where I would be looking to shop for a horse? Uh, do you think those smaller buyers are, since you've, you're making it hard for them to get there and inspect these horses, do you think it'll have an impact later in the sale? Well, in terms of hoops to jump through, uh, buyers, uh, owners and bloodstock agents don't have to uh, present a negative COVID test to get on the grounds. That's strictly for uh, consigners, their employees, uh, sale company employees, media, farriers, veterinarians. So if you're coming to buy a horse, you don't have to do as much. You have to right, you have to answer a questionnaire. You have to um, get a temperature check every time you come on, but you don't have to get the swab or anything or be you know so far in advance. Um, in terms of the later books, though. Um, there are options if you can't be on the grounds. They've uh, expanded their phone bidding. Keeneland has expanded their phone bidding quite a bit. They have an online bidding portal that I've heard good reviews on. Uh, so there, there are opportunities because, you know, the Keeneland September sale is a very international sale. You know, people coming from all over the world, Korea, South America, Europe, and with travel restrictions being what they are right now, uh, they've done a good job opening that up so if you have somebody on the ground looking at horses for you and you've kind of made up your mind, okay, this horse is worth 50000 a 100000 100, you can bid online and still get the horse you want, even if you can't be there in person. Uh, now, <clears throat> shortly after the Breeders' Cup, uh, we're going to see some sales uh, pretty quick after the Breeders' Cup, I would believe, um, that are going to offer some of the sports superstars. If you wanted to buy one for, certainly they're still in racing shape, but a lot of them with what they've done on the track and their sensational pedigrees will make outstanding brood mares. Can you drop some of the big names on us? Oh boy. Uh, Monomoy girl, a champion. Uh, you know, she's probably the most famous of the ones that are offered right now. Um, Uni, who I believe won the Breeders' Cup, or if she didn't, she... Uni, very good turf horse. Um, yeah. Boy, who else? I'm trying to think of who else. There's a, 
there's a nice little run of them for a while. But those are really two of the big names. Oh, uh, Midnight Basu. Uh, right. You know, Brand, right. That's, you know, and she was, I believe Midnight Basu was cataloged for last year's sale for the phasing November sale. And then she scratched either had an injury that it's decided to uh, keep her for, you know, to run another year. And that worked out great. She's, you know, obviously a brand second in the Saudi cup and that pays very well. Um, she's still one of the top older mares in the nation. So they did the right thing by keeping her. And I think she's, uh, you know, she's cataloged or she's going to be cataloged to go through the ring again. And boy, she's going to bring a lot of money. I think about it. I, I do you kind of think that she, she she's done enough, and the the people that are buying her have enough money that they don't really uh, need to race her for another season? Or do you think they'll say, "Hey, she's still on a roll. Let's let's enjoy her racing career for another season." What's your what's your feeling on that? Not that you have a crystal ball. I think it all depends on who ends up with the horse. Um, there, you know, there are certain connections that will be more sporting than others, especially if the horse itself is right. Uh, I'm thinking of, you know, Mandy Pope ran Groupie Doll in, I think, the Cigar Mile after buying her at the Keeneland November sale. Uh, Coolmore ran Stellar Wind in the Pegasus World Cup, um, you know, a few months afterward, and then sent her off to the breeding shed. So if, you know, if Midnight Basu wins her Breeders' Cup race, is still sound, is still in great shape, and gets the kind of connection to look at this horse and say, you know, we can make a little bit of this money back that we just, the millions that we just spent on this horse. They might take a shot. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't, but there's always that outside chance that the right people might decide to. Well, it, it will be interesting to watch, you know. Uh, uh, we we see it so much with the boys where, where they're skedaddled off some of the top ones uh, when they're three or like, uh, uh, you know, on our AP, something happens on the track and they're worth so much uh, with the, with their bloodlines that they might as well, uh, uh, you know, go ahead and because by the time they would heal from, let's say, a tendon injury or something, they would have missed all the Breeders' Cup races, and then you're, you're entering into a whole new season, praying they come back 100%. So I understand it mm-hmm. with the boys, but some of these hickory mares, it's super to see them sticking around the game. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I went out to see Honor AP when he arrived at Lane's End the other day, and he's just, he's a fantastic-looking horse. It's just that tendons, like you, you said it yourself, tendons are so hard to come back from. And at this point, his stallion stock is about as high as it's going to be. By the time he'd be right to even try again, it'd be into the breeding season. So it's, you know, it, I'm sure it was a difficult decision to make. Because to watch him on the walk, you don't really see, you know, he was obviously didn't have any kind of limp or lameness that was incredibly visible. But with things like that, sometimes it's when they're on the jog, on the gallop, you know, things that, in athletic competition would definitely be more of a factor than just watching them at the end of the shank. Great looking horse though. Oh, he is, you know, <clears throat> cause you know, along the, I don't know if you call it the Derby trail along the year. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like that you can have access to so many workouts now and to, mm-hmm. to watch him in the morning, man, he's stunning. I mean, muscular and his races too. The the races that he won. When when you watch the replays, it's like, man, this horse knows where the finish line, and he was gutsy. Uh, you know, he, I I think he's going to be very appealing to breeders. I agree. And what's interesting is that when 
they brought Honor AP into Lane's End uh, earlier this week. They also brought out Honor Code and stood them facing each other, and it was basically a mirror image. Those two look so much alike. Honor AP's, his socks are a little longer on his legs. His face, the blaze on his face is a little wider. And Honor AP's probably a little stockier just because he's been, you know, he's been a stallion for a long, you know, a few years now, and Honor AP's just off the track. But, you know, you look at the basic looks of the two, and that's definitely a father-son right there. Well, that is cool. Listen, Joe, uh, uh, take care of yourself. Uh, say hi to the missus. Say hello to everybody at the Pollock Report uh, to me. They've all been uh, great people to work with, whether through uh, advertising or supplying with press releases and things like that. Uh, you, you, get, you guys all make a great team, and uh, I'm happy every day. I, I, I subscribe, and I have my uh, reading over my morning coffee every day. You guys do a great job. Job, Joe. Well, we sure appreciate that. It's always a pleasure to be on, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. All right, Joe Nevels. You can read him in the Pollock Report. And again, Cordell Anderson was the topic of his feature story yesterday. Worth a read. Really cool guy and well written by Joe. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk to the guy that takes care of everything over at Horse Tourneys. His name is Eric Wang. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right. And with a gentleman whose voice you have heard many times on this show, he's a great guest and uh, he does a, a great job with horse tourneys. Uh, boy, he, he churns out the information before, during, and after the contest. His name is Eric Wing. Eric, how are you? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm okay. You know, one of the things that uh, we offer at Winning Ponies is what's called the easy win forms. And it kind of, you know, could be an I'm not going to give away all the secrets, but it's a kind of an algorithms thing, uh, which we track horses and give out several picks. And if you combine them, you come up with some good ones. Today alone, uh, we came up with a 20 cent pick six at Churchill that paid 7,200. Another right. race at Churchill, 50 cent pick five that paid 2,100. And again, these are all today. And uh, at Laurel, uh, a $1 super key that paid 3,565. So what I try to tell the listeners are see what Eric's got on his plate because there's something for everybody in these horse tourneys uh depends on your pocketbook size but there'll be something for you to play and using those easy win forms is a great way especially if you're using tracks that our handicappers might not be familiar with so uh what do you got on the menu this weekend i, I know you got the big one and uh, every time i pick something up you've got you know qualifiers for uh the the, the breeders cup and the national handicapping challenge so just briefly uh, so we can spend a little time talking horses um tell us uh, what's on the menu from horse tourneys this weekend yeah, you know, John, I was getting all excited to tell your listeners that the last qualifier for the big one is tomorrow, the big one taking place on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and I just see it just sold out um, just uh, while, we, while we've been on the phone. Really? So, um, so the, uh, the big one is uh, an annual tournament. Uh, you can still buy in for $7,500. If oh, good, good. I'll be buying in that. Range. Great. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll be giving away about 186000 plus uh, 10 uh, Breeders' Cup, NHC, and Pegasus World Cup seats. It's a high-end tournament. Um, and, and like you said, we have high-end ones like that. Um, we have middle-of-the-road ones, and we have tournaments. Uh, for as little as two bucks, so it, it's it's really for any budget. Um, and we have single track tourneys, we have multi track tourneys with a few races from a bunch of different tracks. So it might be ideal for the easy win form players, depending on uh, you know what tracks they have data for and uh, and are interested in playing. But just uh, you know, we have four NHC seats we'll be giving away. Uh, between Friday, Saturday, Sunday, another four Breeders' Cup betting challenge seats guaranteed in various tournaments. We have a $25,000 cash game, uh, a couple of $10,000 cash games, a, a 15, and and you know we also have $100 cash games with the, the cost about eight or 12 bucks. So uh, you name it, and we got it, and uh, it's a it's a very fun way to play the races. Because I, 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 I'm here to tell you there's nothing like seeing your name on a leaderboard when you're doing well. It, it provides some ego gratification <laughs> that, that just doesn't exist when you're playing in solitude, you know, on your laptop or, you know, on your own. It's, it's always exciting for other people to know that you're doing well uh, as well as yourself. 
You know, that was one of the things, and I'm sure you tuned in years ago uh, to the television show that they had on uh, called, I believe it was called Horse Players. Yeah, and yeah. It would show these guys, and some of them would team up, and other guys that are mysterious, you know, Brooklyn cowboy, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and then you had this up and rising kid that nobody knew by the name of Matt Bernier, uh, who was one of the top guys, and it was an interesting show to watch to see exactly how the excitement goes on at at, at these tournament games and uh you know while some people are you know holding their cards uh, close to their chest other people are up screaming at the tv set so uh i i can imagine that the this goes on uh, in their house i guess they're not all in one room at least for this tournament correct a hundred percent john it, it, you know obviously all our tournaments are online rather than on site However, um, our players run the gamut from, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs uh, to their TV. Uh, and, and I've had other people tell me, you know, they'll play a pick-and-pray contest, which is a contest in which you make your picks at the beginning and you can't change them and, uh, throughout the contest. We also have live format tourneys. But I've had people tell me they, they'll put in their pick-and-pray picks and take a nap. Uh, you know, you know, get up when they, in a couple of hours when it's over and see how they did. So whether you're in any motor or, uh, you know, super laid back, you know, same like people at the racetrack, some are like, uh, uh, you know, don't show much emotion and others do. And, and there's, there's room uh, for everyone at the end. Well, it's a great game. Uh, sad to say, there's there's outward factors that have affected the the game uh, this year. Uh, top of the list is COVID, and uh, right now, something nobody expected that uh, air quality index is so bad on the West Coast uh, that they're canceling the racing out there, which has kind of squeezed us uh, north of the border. And uh, the, the races uh, went on well last week at, at Woodbine, and uh, they're going to continue. Uh, <clears throat> of course, well, we had the uh, big uh, uh, Queen's Plate uh, last week. And uh, uh, this week, though, there's some really top races coming out of Woodbine, uh, who is one of our sponsors here uh, at Winning Ponies. And uh, the Rico Woodbine Mile, it was uh, interesting to pull down the past performances and see this one name uh, jump off the sheet, War of Will, who uh, ran second in one of the two-year-old races, we're going to look at later up at Woodbine. I believe he started uh, his maiden career at Woodbine. Of course, uh, if you're uh, with Mark Cassie, odds are you're going to be north of the border at some time in your life. But that name jumped out at me. And another, just a am- great mare that's not a- afraid to face the boys is Starship Jubilee, who... Uh, it is seven years old now, but man, you, you know, horses don't really peak till they're at least five. And this horse just keeps going and going and going this year. So far, five starts, four wins, and she loves Woodbine. 13 starts, six wins, two seconds and a third. Now, World will um, kind of open up everybody's eyes like, in the Maker's Mark Mile, which was the last start and winning effort for War Will, it's like, 
wow, this horse is not only a classic horse that could win the Preakness Stakes at three, but now is a grade one stakes winner on the grass. And we were talking about Honor AP and what a good looking horse he is. War Will is every much that. And considering his breeding out of a Sadler Wells mare with Warfront on top, there should be no surprise that War Will can run on the green. None whatsoever. And, and uh, he bred to the nines, like he said, for turf. Um, he's going to be the favorite off of that, and, and deservedly so off the grade one win in the Maker's Mark Mile at Keeneland. Uh, th- that said, John, this is a horse that I'm – dead set against from a betting perspective because he's about as fast as a couple of these others, including Starship Jubilee, who you mentioned. He's going to be favored, and he's picking up a hefty eight pounds um, off that last race. Even at a mile distance as opposed to a longer distance, that's a... People who don't pay any attention at all to weights, I believe, are mis- misguided in that. It, you know, sprints are one thing, or, but, you know, once you start to stretch out a little bit, it does make a difference, in my opinion. The two I'm going to look to, and, and, and there's, some, there's some homework involved in this because you're going to need to check the scratches tomorrow. Now, um, Oh, excuse me. I was getting confused. I was thinking of the sing spiel. The two I'm uh, there isn't homework involving this race, but the two I I look for are number one, March to the Arch, who is one of those I said was just every bit as fast as um, War of Will. Is loves Woodbine two for two, very strong last out in the King Edward, and also took a took. A surprising amount of money, given the field he was in last time, but he he certainly lived up to that uh, monetary billing, if you will. So I think March to the Arch is who I'm going to play to win, and I'm I'm looking at um, I'm I'm looking at uh, number seven value proposition as a, a a decent prospect for second. Wasn't thrilled with his last race in the Poker at Belmont, but the Chad Brown trainee is certainly in the same league. The general, uh, you know, vicinity is March to the Arch, and that's who I'd be looking to complete my exacta. Uh, the only thing I'll point out is number six, Admiralty Pier, who I don't particularly love in this spot, but he's cross-entered in the in the Singspiel Stakes on the same card at Woodbine, so I, I, I don't think he's a big factor in the Rico Woodbine Mile. Um, but if he winds up here, it's going to set up uh, very nicely. For tis a slam in the sing spiel because those are the two speeds in that race. So if Admiralty Pier winds up in the big race, keep an eye out for number seven tis a slam in uh, two races earlier in the sing spiel stakes at Woodbine. I will do that. And in speaking so, the sphinx sing spiel is uh it, it's a grade two and they'll be going a mile and a quarter the configuration at woodbine eric is bizarre because it is so huge they start a mile and a quarter on i guess you'd call it the far turn and they only go a little bit of a way and they got to take a strong left hand turn before they go down that long Backstretch. Do you factors into this uh, race that's uh, got a fairly sizable field? 
Yeah, that, that's a real hairpin turn there. It's, it's unique. I love those races just because I always like to try to figure out who's going to be harmed and who might benefit from saving ground as opposed to losing ground. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not quite a one-turn mile and a quarter, but it, it, I, I guess in some respects it's even uh, harsher than a two-turn mile and a quarter given the severity of that first turn. But I already tipped my hand if – if Admiralty Pier winds up in the Woodbine Mile, I'm looking at Tis a Slam, number seven, who's kind of an all-or-nothing horse. But um, with Admiralty Pier out of there, it would certainly help uh, Tis a Slam be an all as opposed to a nothing horse, I think, in that race. Because uh, um, I think they're both sort of interested in in being prominent. Um, the other horse I'm interested in, in the sing spiel, I can't stand the post position, but this isn't, you know, this is a $125,000 race, which isn't all that much more than, than allowance races go for up north at Woodbine where the purses are so good. So I don't think you have to be a world beater to contend. And I'm interested in number 10 jungle fighter for the Stronax stable a little bit. Um, Last time was first time in blinkers. I thought it ran deceivingly well. And um, if he can break out of the gate better and settle a little more, I think he's got room for improvement that could put him there. Now he's post 10, so um, his rider, uh, Patrick Husbands, is going to kind of have to be a little clever there so he doesn't wind up in the parking lot on the first turn. Well, Patrick Husbands, uh, <clears throat> as for many, many years, uh, ruled the roost uh, north uh, of the border. Um, and uh, certainly he, he knows way, his way around the track. And it looks like he's kind of got that mid-pack kind of style. So maybe he'll let those other speed horses go on and just settle his horse uh, along that very long Backstretch. I swear you could run a six furlong straight uh, there. It's it's so huge. Uh, do you know? Have you checked? Uh, are are they hoping for good? Of course they're hoping, but are they expecting good weather up there? Weather forecast looks great for the whole weekend at Woodbine, John. Great, great. All right. One less thing we have to worry about. Well, uh, as I uh, stated, uh, uh, War Will uh, ran second. Uh, in the summer stakes when he was a two-year-old up at Woodbine. And uh, I'll tell you what, this is, this is a, now I believe these are both winning your end of the Breeders' Cup, uh, mm -hmm. the summer and the Natalma, the Natalma for the girls. And, uh, you know, that horses that have only made one race, have, have, there's horses in here that are maidens that I like, okay? And they're running for a quarter million dollars in a grade one. This is something you see every day. Yeah, and, and it's a maiden that I really like. I, I like both of these races a lot that we're going to discuss, but the the horse I'm really interested in is number two, Secret Potion. Uh, looking for his first win, make uh, her, yeah, his first win, making his second career start for Chad Brown. This horse looks to me a lot like Selflessly, who uh, broke his maiden in the Miss Grillo in career start number two last year for Chad Brown. 
Um, for those who like formulator stats or trainer stats, I'll tell you that when Chad Brown runs a second-time starter in a two-year-old turf stake and the horse was in the money the last time out, you know, at least competitive, as Secret Potion was, uh, Brown is six for his last eight, seven for his last ten, eight for his last twelve doing this, and I don't think this horse is going to be the favorite. Um he, he's plenty good anyway, but with those trainer stats, they're super powerful in this horse's favor. So I'm all about number two secret potion in the summer. Yeah, and Joe Nevels and I were just talking about uh, the major impact that Into Mischief has had on thoroughbred racing at, at just about every level and every distance. So, uh, you know, out of a Tisnow mare, uh, it's funny, I, I've got two horses checked to keep an eye on here, and I don't have the odds in front of me. And uh, while he wasn't as fast, I think a horse that's got a big upside is this Dolder Grand. And uh, that the horse ran second at seven furlongs, and uh, but the horse was you uh, got bumped and you know it was five wide, put in a huge rally at the end. Uh, I mean, you couldn't have asked for for a better, uh, shall we say, warm up to this race. But if you look at its breeding, uh, it, it's a son of candy ride. But the dam has had seven starters, five winners. And three of those winners were turf winners. See, a factor you got to put into these horses when they're young, entering a race of this quality. For sure, and you know he's uh, he's trained by Mark Cassie, who doesn't usually just run no hopers in these races, and he'll he he'll have a stable mate, Gretzky the Great, who'll be one of the favorites, doing a lot of the heavy lifting up front, and maybe Cassie thinks between the pedigree power that you cited, the trouble trip last time, and his closing style that. Gretzky the Great can soften him up early, and maybe uh, Dolder Grand can pick him up late. Well, let's move on to the ladies, and that is the Natalma, quarter million, grade one. And uh, once again, the uh, situations are very similar to, to the race we just spoke about. It looks like I've got uh, about two and a half minutes to post, but uh, horses I think you've got to consider uh, because of their chances for improve is another maiden, Sleek Lynx, uh, who uh, great female pedigree and uh, has had four starters, two winners. Both of those winners were early winners on the turf. And then I like Alda, Munnings is hot. And uh, this mare has had four winners, two stakes winners, all of them on the turf. Well, you didn't mention the maiden that I like in the race, and that's number one stunning princess <laughs> who's first-time Lasix for Danny Gargan. 0 for 2 with two seconds at Saratoga. In, in, his, in her debut, she finished two lengths behind Plum Ali, who went on to win convincingly the $500,000 stake at Kentucky Downs over there by three and three-quarter lengths. In start number two, you would, think, you would think she would have been the favorite off of that race. Uh, she was 7-2 to two and lost by a nose to Ingracia, who's going to be probably one of the favorites in the Miss Grillo at Belmont. So I really like Stunning Princess a lot, and I hope people get turned off by her 0-for-2 record because I think she's every bit as good, if not better, than these. 
All right, Eric, man, you are smooth. Thanks a lot. Love having you on the show. You do a great job with horse tourneys. And I want to remind our listeners, you know, you, you want to get into any of these tourneys at any level, uh, that uh, using the easy wind forms is a good way to go, especially if it's some of the tracks. As, as he said, some of them are multi-track uh, uh, betting opportunities. Uh, use the easy wind forms. But in the meanwhile, horse tourneys, if you can't get out of the house and you're staying indoors, Great way to keep your action going at the races. Eric Wang, thanks a million, man. Always my pleasure, John. All right. That was Eric Wang. I want to thank Joe Nevels, and I want to thank my producer, Josh Bygosh, for keeping me out of trouble. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.